Philippians chapter 1, and we'll have, uh, we'll have this last probably session in Philippians, and then we will be, of course, we're going to have the um, Christmas cantata uh, coming up, and then we'll be speaking on some Christmas themes on uh, uh, love and hope and joy and peace and some of these things leading up to our Christmas Eve service. So this will be uh, the place where we'll take a little break from Philippians, but chapter 1 and we'll read verses actually three through five, three through five this morning. And so let's read that as a back, background for uh, some thoughts that I believe God has given us uh, that will help us. I've entitled this um, message, Healing Our Memories, Healing Our Memories. Uh, sometimes memories can play havoc with us. Uh, you know, if they're happy memories and thankful memories and all that sort of thing, that's wonderful, but there's another side to memories. And so I want to talk about that this morning, and hopefully it'll be a blessing and a help and an encouragement to uh, all of us today, young and old alike. So here we go. Verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance. Now see, that's where the memory comes in, memories. I thank my God in all my, my remembrance of you, the Philippian church. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. And I thought about, um, I thought about the cards that are lying in the conference room just on the other side of this wall. Uh, our, our missions leaders are uh, very faithful to make sure that our missionaries get a birthday card. Wherever they may be around the world, we try to send them a birthday card and a greeting. And so members of the Commission on Mission and others were trying to get in there and get those cards signed. I signed all of them for this month myself and just uh, reminded them, you are loved. You are loved. There's something about partnering with people for the sake of the gospel that is endearing and it's, it's a precious thing. And one of the great things about this church in particular is that, that Lakeview has enjoyed a long and illustrious history with many missionary partners in the gospel all over the world, not only at home here in America, but all over the world. And there's something about that where Paul is saying, I thank God for your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. And I hope that when our missionaries get their birthday cards uh, this month, that they will have that thought that Lakeview has not forgotten where we are. Lakeview has been with us from the beginning, and they are still with us today. What a precious thought that Paul brings to our attention. So I gave some thought to memories this week as I was meditating on uh, the little phrase that, that Paul gave us when he said, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. I began to think about that. I began to study about it. I began to do some research on it and just rolled it through my mind. How many of us can think of a person we know? Now think about this. And this goes for even our young people. And by the way, I, I wish you could see on the screen uh, a picture of what I can see. We've got our young people right here on the front row. They've got their note papers out. They've got their pencils out. And if I didn't know better, I, I'm figuring they're taking notes. And that's good leadership. God bless our leadership. And, and Jess, you're doing a great job with that. How many of us can think of a person that we know that if we could erase them from our memories, we would do it so fast it would make your head spin. 
Anybody like that? Any, anybody represent a memory that could very quickly come across our minds? It's a memory, for, it, it's a memory I call from you know where, and it's not heaven. It's a, it's, a, it's a not good memory. And it comes floating through into the mind, and it just, it never brings us any joy. Every time that particular memory comes up, it never brings joy, but it, and it tends to bring with it like a garbage can of emotional unhappiness. And I'm sure that I speak for all of us here. We've all had that experience before. It was interesting to me to see how Paul ties his focus on memories to experiences experiences that he has had with these people in the church at Philippi. Uh, There's something unique and special about this church and the relationship that Paul has with this church because we've studied the churches of Revelation, seven churches, and some of the churches didn't get so good a grade. The Philippi is one. Philippi has gotten a very good grade from Paul, who who founded that church. We know from our year-long study, uh, it was a little maybe a little over a year in the book of Acts, that Paul Paul had many experiences uh, propagating the gospel, and many of those experiences were great and joyful. But but there were a lot of experiences. If you were with us in the Acts study, that were very painful both emotionally as well as physically. So Paul, Paul has lived life just like we live life. But those experiences don't make the cut. The, the bad things, the emotionally disruptive and discouraging things did not make the cut when it came to the people that he thankfully remembers. Ugly stuff, painful, hurtful stuff did not get in there when he was talking about the people in the church at Philippi. And he says he remembers them, thankfully remembers them, with joy. And that's what he says in verse 4. With joy in my every prayer for you all. Thankfully, with joy in my prayers for you all. Now if you were to look up the word joy in the dictionary, you would find something along this line. The emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying, keen pleasure, elation. Let me pick up on a particular word, the emotion of great delight of happiness, happiness. The problem, though, with many dictionary definitions of joy is that they include the word happiness, as I just showed you. Scripture gives us a little different picture about joy from a biblical perspective, now, I hope this will come up on the screen. I, it got cut out in what I sent earlier, but can we put, put that? Yeah, okay, there you see. So on the left side, you see in red, happiness. And down below it, it says happiness, which is a part of the definition of joy in the dictionary. Happiness is centered in circumstances. And so as a result of that, when the circumstances are high, Happiness, elation, and, and, and the feelings of joy are there. But if the circumstances of life were to change, if you had a negative balance in your checkbook, or you got a pink slip in your last paycheck, and you're, you don't have a job anymore, or someone tells you that they, that, they, uh, um, that they don't care for you anymore, don't want to be your friend anymore, or so on and so forth, the circumstances change. And so happiness, as you see at the top, is unstable. It, can, it, it looks okay sometimes, and it's not so okay at other times. That's a horizontal line. But if you take the vertical line, 
that is centered on God, for people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ and have their lives centered around the things of God, you find that there is great stability. And so even though Paul experienced tremendous pain and suffering and agony at times in, on his missionary journeys, and I'm going to show you in just a moment that he even had some difficult times in Philippi, when he was remembering in his memory bank, the ugly stuff didn't make the cut. How's he do that? The ugly stuff doesn't make the cut. And I found, that, I found that interesting because Paul's life is centered on God and the things of God. So there's tremendous stability in the joy and happiness that Paul experienced because it's centered in Christ. Now we know from Paul's other writings as well as the book of Acts that he had many experiences with people Some people threw him in jail. Some people beat him up. When's the last time you ever got beaten up? Were you ever in school and got bullied and got beaten up? You never forget it. It's an ugly feeling, an ugly thing. Some people lied about him and and they told half-truths about him and, 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 and all to get him in trouble. And some people who were supposedly his friends and colleagues in the ministry even betrayed him and stabbed him in the back. But this letter to the Philippians has none of that. It's filled with joy. That's why they say the study in the book of Philippians is a study in the the experience of joy. And I thought, well, that's great. I'm glad we're studying this. Filled with joy. Now, in the Greek New Testament, the word for joy is kara. Kara. And the word for rejoice in the Greek is Cairo. Cairo. In this short letter, and this is a short letter, Philippians, in this short letter, Paul uses these words, kara or Cairo, at least 15 times in this one letter. You know, if you got a four-page letter in the mail from someone and they told you they loved you, 15 times. I mean, I'm going to do a little experiment here. And I, I, I tried to, I, I, I thought of several people, but I, as I wrote this, I thought there's only one person I could write this to. So, Cynthia, this is a note. Could you stay, you don't have to face the audience, but I need you to face me because I need you to read this. Are we on up here? Okay. So this is from the desk of, come up closer, if you don't mind. Thank you. Okay. So, from the desk of Pastor Tim, okay, and it's to you, and so I just want you to read it, every word of it. I love you, I adore you, 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 Tim. <laughs> now, you see, I couldn't choose anybody else except you to do that. I'll now. Take do, it. You'll take that? Okay. Now, could I ask you, do you have, do you have any question about the theme of that card? What no, is it? None, none. What is it? Love. Love. That's it. That's it. Fifteen times, fifteen times, Paul tells these folks in the Philippian church, I love you. I adore you. Every remembrance that I have of you, it just makes me happy. 
I'm so thankful to be able to speak to God on your behalf in my prayers because I love you. I adore you. This letter had to have made the Philippian church feel good about themselves, I would imagine. And it was a positive memory for Paul that it no doubt brought him joy in simply remembering these dear people. It just brought him a lot of joy. So interesting to me, it's interesting to me that Paul didn't even want to go to Philippi at first. Do you remember that? We read it in, in Acts chapter 16 when we were studying Acts. He didn't even want to go there in the first place. And when the Lord finally got his attention and said, I want you to go to Philippi to, to spread the gospel and to plant a church there, uh, when he got there, there weren't even 10 men, which was a minimum to be able to have a little synagogue, a little church place there. So they didn't call it church, but a, a, a synagogue. Because Paul often would go to a city and he would start at the synagogue. And he would, he would begin to preach about Jesus. There wasn't even a synagogue. There weren't even 10 people minimum to be able to have a synagogue there. So he went outside the city gates and he went to the river's edge and there were a whole bunch of women there. And so he began to preach Jesus to these women. And there were two women who were very interesting in the story. The first was Lydia, a seller of purple. And Lydia listened to the message that Paul was preaching and she gave her heart to Christ. She got saved. She had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and she became a Christ follower in that moment. There was another woman there and she was, uh, it was a, a young girl that was a slave and she was demon possessed and the slave owners were using her to divine or to foretell the future, so to speak. And they were making money from her and Paul cast that devil out of her and of course she was set free. And you know what happened to the slave owners. They got angry because their cash cow was no longer producing. And so uh, the golden goose uh, was no longer laying the golden eggs. And so they were angry. And they brought charges against Paul and brought him before the magistrates. And uh, the city officials had him beaten and thrown into prison. So was Philippi this wonderful, beautiful, outstanding experience? No, not exactly. But it didn't make the cut. When Paul wrote back to the Philippian church, didn't make the cut. I, that fascinates me. So you see, Paul's experiences in Philippi were bad. Some of them were bad memories. But those are not the things he writes about. He writes to them about the joy they brought into his life because of their partnership in the gospel. Now, later in the series, and it probably is going to have to be after Christmas, I want to come back to, to why that was so important their partnership in the gospel. But first, I want to suggest that Paul may be giving us some good advice, and I'm glad our young people are taking notes here today, because this is something, if Jesus tarries and you live as long as the rest of us are, or longer, hopefully, that you will remember this seed thought in your mind. And it has to do with something that advice about soul care. Soul, S-O-U-L, soul care. Soul care has to do with the things that we do and the things that we think about that are healthy for us. Soul care. To take good care of everything about your person. Not just your physical body, but your mental state and, and your emotional state and everything that makes us hopefully a balanced person. Soul care. They, they have to do with activities or habits that we can develop that bring balance and wholeness into our lives. 
It's, it's almost as if Paul has somehow decluttered his memory bank. Let me say that again. As I thought about this and I, and I, I studied on it, I thought, you know, it's almost like, you know, he had bad memories he could have called upon and put in the letter and say, hey, remember when that happened? And remember this happened? Remember when we went down the river? Remember those guys threw me in jail? They didn't make the cut. It's like Paul has somehow decluttered his memory bank from the things that would rob him of joy and has kept only those memories that encourage him. It's sort of like some of the uh, uh, personal human engineers uh, that, that tell us uh, how, to, how to develop good habits in life and uh, do well w- with others. And some people will say, you know, if, if you want to soar high with the eagles, you have to be careful the people you hang around. If you hang around people that pull you down, you're not going to soar. If you hang around with people that to lift you up and encourage you and, and uh, bring some stimulation into your life, you're, you're, you're apt to do better in life. And so we know some of those truths are there. So I read a couple of interesting articles that came to my mind as I was putting these thoughts together for us this morning. And uh, it has has to do with uh, how we we declutter our lives and promote better soul care. Here's here's, uh, one of the articles. Here's the actual subject line of this, and you can look it up on the internet yourself. Two weird tricks that saved my life. Unclutter and be honest, no, really. Now, do you see the picture? Let's put the picture of, can we put the picture of the garbage up there? Okay, now here's a quote from the article. Claudia and I threw out everything we owned this weekend. We threw out 98% of everything. Can you imagine doing that? Can you, imagine, can you imagine over Thanksgiving, I'll say, wife and I, we just, 98% of it, it's gone. It's out on the curb. People were stopping by with pickup trucks. They were saying, is this for free? You sure you want to get rid of this? You know? And he said, we had just spent six weeks traveling around, and except for the stuff we were traveling with, we realized we didn't need anything else. So I thought to myself as I'm reading this article, Is that what Paul does to keep his joy? When I say, is that what Paul does, I mean in decluttering, uncluttering his mind, his memory bank. Does Paul unclutter, or I don't know if declutter is even a word I put in, but does he declutter, I'll just pretend it is. Does Paul declutter his memory bank like purging all the clutter emails we get? You know, Microsoft now will... It'll do a clutter deal for you. And you can tell them to turn that off if you want to, but if you let, if you let them do it, they will take, I don't know what the rules are. Amos can tell us maybe he's our IT guy, but somehow they have some criteria that says, you know, if, if the stuff that you don't look at very often or, or the computer can tell from the programming that you don't, you don't look at, you don't open them up or whatever, it takes it right out of your email file and it puts it over into a clutter file. So this stuff is cluttering up your email. And so, you know, someone says, well, I sent you an email. And I said, well, I didn't get it. And first thing is I got to go over to the clutter file and make sure clutter didn't drag an important email over into my, my, my clutter file. And so we periodically 
go through our electronic messages and we hit the delete button on some of them and they go away. Now, I've always been fascinated because I don't know where they go into our cyberspace. I've never understood where the delete button actually sends messages, but they disappear and they're gone. And I don't have to look at them anymore. We're talking about memories, bad memories, and I don't have to look at them anymore. <laughs> that was appealing to me. And they don't clog up my memory and my machine runs smoother. Am I right, Amos? You don't have all that stuff in there. One day I said, man, my phone is really running slow. And he said, have you cleaned out your, your text files? And I said, no, I didn't know I needed to. That's why we have a tech expert. And, and so I got in there and all the stuff that I didn't need for posterity, hit delete. And my machine started running famously for a little while until it got cluttered up again. <laughs> it's interesting this concept. Maybe there's a lesson in here for all of us. Now I mentioned two articles. That was the first article. The second article, and I hope this doesn't um, discourage anybody, but, and I'll just give you the, the title of it, it, it was about millennials. And this is the title of the article. Why are millennials rejecting prized family possessions? I read the article and simply stated, just to boil it down, millennials don't want our junk. And that means even the stuff that was expensive to buy at the time. They don't want it. Their lifestyles are different. Their worlds are much more hectic. Their lives are, have to be much more mobile. It's a different time. It's a different age. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't some sentimental value for a piece or two, but, but by and large, millennials don't want our stuff. So, if, as Paul seems to suggest, we need to declutter our memories occasionally, how do we do that? How, how can I unclutter my memory, especially the ones that are ugly and hurt me? and cause me pain, and make me feel sad when they go through my mind. Everybody's got one, or more. Everybody has a memory like that, that if we entertain it, will drag us down. So how can we hit delete? How can we declutter? Because Paul seemed to be able to do that. We know that he had hard places in Philippi, but it didn't make the letter. It didn't make the cut. So I'm going to give us three things that I think might be helpful. Number one, sort before you discard. Sort. You know, these people that were throwing all the stuff out on the curb, they had to sort it out. You've got, you got to sort it all out. You've got, you got, you got to go out in the garage, guys. You've got to sort out. Man, I can't live without that. I have to have that saw. I can't, I'll have to go out and buy another one if I let that one go. i got to keep that one. But this one over here, this hacksaw, it didn't even cut anything the last time I used it. Get rid of it. I'll buy another one if I have to sometime. I don't even want it. Get rid of it. Declutter the garage. Declutter the attic. Declutter the basement. Now, we got some folks here. If I called their name, you'd know who they are. They're getting ready to move. They've got a different dwelling they're going to. You're going to be sorting. 
You're going to be sorting. These nodding, going to be sorting. Sort before you discard. Now here's a quote from the article. This may help you. Sort through your memories before you ask God to help you delete one that's painful and hurtful and whatever. And here's, here's the little word of truth. I think this is good. Quote, If it gives you joy, keep it. If it doesn't give you joy, or if you haven't used it in a long time, throw it out. No holding back. So if a memory doesn't give us joy, maybe it needs to go. Maybe it needs to go. Number two, after we've sorted the things that need to be discarded, number two, forgive the discards. Forgive the discards, talking about people. In other words, those negative and joyless memories, they're generally surrounding people, generally. And that's for you young folks as well. You young people have already had disappointments by people in your life. As young as you are, there are a few painful memories that go through your mind every once in a while. So this is for young and this is for old and everyone in between. Those negative and joyless memories are generally about people and they need to be forgiven whether we have received an apology or not. Man, that's hard. That is so hard. But it is part of the way we declutter our memories, I believe. Negative memories where the offenders have not been forgiven. Listen to this carefully. Negative memories that plague all of us from time to time. Where the offender has not ever really been forgiven. We may say we forgave them, but did we really? Where the offender has not really been forgiven. Here's what happens. They come back to harass our lives over and over and over and over like a bad habit. And they tend to make us mentally and emotionally unstable. Now some people fake that better than others. And some people have a stronger constitution than other people. And they can live with a lot of that nonsense. But the stuff will take you down sooner or later. And that's what happiness based upon circumstances does. It robs us of true joy. But God wants us to have lasting joy that is stable, like the Apostle Paul's joy. It was stable even though he had potential for negative memories in Philippi. But we have to be willing to sort. We have to be willing to discard. And... It's not that the memory, catch this, it's not that the memory ever goes away 100%. It's just that when it returns occasionally, it doesn't possess us like an ugly spirit from the devil. Did you catch that? It doesn't mean that it will never ever appear ever again. It just means when we've done this and hit the delete with God's help, it can't consume us anymore. It can't own us. It, it, it can't dominate our spirit anymore because we're freed of it. 
Luke 17, Jesus says, I'm going to give you two, two verses here. They're powerful. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, Jesus said, forgive him. Forgive the discard. Forgive the person that's involved in your worst nightmare. And then Jesus goes on to say in Mark eleven twenty five, 25, listen to this one. I haven't, and others have said this as well. I have not plumbed all of the depths of this verse. This is one of those lifelong verses to study and keep plumbing it and plumbing it. It's sort of like you're on a big ship and you want to know how deep is the water. You know, they let the plumb line down until it hits the bottom and you find out how deep the water is so the ship doesn't run aground. And this is one of those verses that you could plumb and plumb and plumb for a lifetime, I think. And here's what it says. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. I've got to think on that one. I need to meditate on that one. The rest of my life I need to meditate on what is God saying to me in that? Sometime, and here's just a practical thought. I'm beginning to wind this down. Sometime when you are alone and no one is looking over your shoulder, it's just you and God. Sometime when you're alone, no one looking over your shoulder, take time to sort out the top five joy killers that have haunted your spirit your mind, your emotions over the years and identify them. Somebody says, I've got more than five. Okay, try to pick the top five if you can. Joy killers. The things that when the memory bank brings them through have just sometimes been devastating to you. Somebody comes into your life after one of those has come in and they look and they can tell from our countenance and our faces, what's the matter? Something bothering you? If you had a bad day, what, what's going on? Yeah, one of those joy killers came in. And you just could not let go of it. Could not get rid of it. And you just, for an hour, maybe more. Maybe it ruins your whole day. What are the top five joy killer memory banks that have hurt you? And with God's help, through the power of the Holy Spirit, take that list to God and do your best to forgive the people involved. Even if the person you need to forgive happens to be yourself. Sometimes our worst memories are foolish things or decisions that we made ourselves. And we've never, ever forgiven ourselves. And then consider a prayer something like this. God, I need your help on these five memories. They pop up when I don't want them to. And every time they do, they hurt me. 
I am sorry for any part I played in the process of making this memory. And with your help, I'm asking you to help me forgive the people who have hurt me and wounded my heart. If they never apologize to me, it does not change my heart. I want to forgive because you have forgiven me for so much in my life. Please heal my memory bank with your love and grace. Amen. And the last, the last one, number three. Pray for those memories that are being discarded out of your memory bank. Pray for the people that are involved. One of the things I've noticed about memories is that I don't often take them to my prayers. Have you ever noticed that? For example, you see someone on the street and you think, well, that woman or that man reminds me of so-and-so, somebody you knew in the past. And then we just let that thought go away. Say, that, that person just looks strangely familiar to somebody I used to know. But that used-to-know person could be prayed for and may need a prayer. So I could pray for that person. Sometimes when we hear a song on the radio, and we often think of a person who liked that song, or somebody we worked with who was always humming that song or whatever, and you think about that person, maybe you haven't seen for a long, long time, you could pray for that person. Perhaps you catch a glimpse of an old classmate from school, maybe an old girlfriend, or a former teammate on the squad. And so, I could pray for that person. What we see the Apostle Paul doing here is praying for the people in the memories. This Philippian church, it had been so faithful to him in the good times and in the hard times. And even though most of them had their own problems to deal with, just like we do at Lakeview, <clears throat> all of us, we marched us all across the platform where we took time. Got any problems you're dealing with? Every last one of us could name some if we were going to be honest. Everybody's got a problem or two. But they were faithful to Paul, and Paul thankfully remembered them that way. And so we find Paul not once, not twice, 15 times, as many times as I told Cynthia, I love you, I adore you, I love you, I adore you, I love you, I adore you. Church, I love you, I adore you, he says. I'm convinced in our lives that God gives us plenty of promptings to pray for people. It's just that we don't pay attention to those promptings sometimes when they come. So just for the rest of this day as a little exercise in closing, Let's practice praying for the people that come to our minds, good or bad, even if it's still in the bad category and they haven't been removed from the memory bank yet, we can still pray for the people involved and ask God's favor upon them as a spiritual exercise in joy and thankfulness. You know, it's hard to be angry at somebody you're praying for. Did you know that? It's not easy to be angry, even if somebody has really messed us over. It's not easy to be angry with people that we're praying for. There's something about that that God helps us in soul care. In remembering people of the past, praying for them, 
or the person someone reminds us of that we care about, and especially if you just need to forgive yourself because we've all made mistakes. Sort before you discard. Forgive the discards. And pray especially for the discards. Those memories that we're saying, God, if I could be relieved of some of that cycling through my mind for the rest of my life, I would like to give that to you. Not because I expect it never ever to cross my mind again, but I don't want it to own me like it has owned me so many times in the past. So, Paul, pretty cool guy, huh? Just that little, little verse or two, and he's helping us with the emotional and the mental part of our lives in some of the hardest places that we've ever had to deal with, and that's in our memory banks. Heavenly Father, my prayer this morning for this, your people, is that you would help us every one of us, to uh, practice some of these principles, Lord, so that our memories will be sweeter, more thankful, and more joyous memories that go through our mind, and that the things that the devil would try to bring up and harass us with would begin to diminish, and the sweetness of what Paul sent back to that Philippian church would be the topic the major topic of our memory banks. Help us to make sweet memories with one another while we have the opportunity. Help us to forgive not only others, but to forgive ourselves. And help us, Lord, to be a greater people of joy. Help us to be a greater people with focus on praying for others. And help us, Lord, to practice good soul care. You've given us some wonderful examples in your word. Help us to read it more, to practice it better. And Father, if there's somebody here that needs to embrace Jesus Christ, maybe have been trying to find happiness on that horizontal line, happiness will never be found under the Christmas tree. It will never be found in the things that the stores want us to buy and cause us to think we can't live without it. But the greatest thing that we could ever understand and know is the incarnation, the reason for this season, that Jesus came in the flesh. And before we ever bothered to tell you we were sorry for our sin and shortcoming, Christ died for us. And my prayer is that people would reach out to him for the first time in their lives and embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. And Lord, uh, we pray for the rest of us that we would be a healthy, soul-care-oriented congregation. A church like the Philippian church that was healthy and that was thoughtful and that was courageous and giving and sacrificial and loving to this brother in Christ over the long haul. Help us to be that kind of a church, not only for our missionary partners, but for one another. And for those that we're reaching out to in this community and around the world. We love you. Thank you for giving us life. We pray for those again, Father, who are 
struggling because of grief issues. We think of our dear friends. Uh, most of these folks did not know this family, but a friend of mine, Stan Toller, who went to be with the Lord. I spoke of him last Lord's Day morning, only to find out that he had passed through the nighttime. And so he's with you. He was a singer. He sang in quartets. And Lord, uh, he's singing with the angels now, I believe. And uh, we look forward to that day when we can be with you forever. But until then, Lord, give us good soul care and help us with our memories. Heal us, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.